cases rising, the debate intensifies over how to handle the start of the school year here in Indiana. Today, we'll talk with Governor Eric Holcomb, Senators Todd Young and Mike Braun, and ISTA President Keith Gamble. Plus, what one Indiana congressman is doing after unknowingly getting the virus months ago. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Thank you for joining us this Sunday. I'm Beershell May in for Dan Spieler. Indiana remains in stage 4.5 this weekend as Governor Eric Holcomb presses pause on our reopening. State health officials say the numbers are trending in the wrong direction right now. The seven-day rolling average of positive tests hit 6.9 this week. That number was 4.2 back in June. COVID-19 hospitalizations also up, but Health Commissioner Dr. Christina Box says the state is not going back to previous stages because ICU beds and ventilator capacity remain steady. So what does this mean for our economy and our schools? Those are the issues we are tackling today. As the coronavirus crisis grows, shattering records in some states, lawmakers are discussing once again how to provide financial relief for Americans. Indiana Senator Todd Young is promoting his proposed Restart Act. And this week, Senator Young visited several restaurants and music venues, like the Slippery Noodle out in downtown Indy. He explained his bill would help businesses that are still struggling because of this pandemic. The hallmark of this legislation is it gives uh, our hardest hit businesses access to much needed capital uh, during uh, this difficult period until we are able to find uh, some sort of cure to this uh, wicked coronavirus. Uh, in the meantime, that money can be used to uh, keep people on the payroll. Uh, it can be used to pay for basic operating expenses like rent and mortgage and utilities. And most importantly, it can be used to sustain uh, the pillars of our local community, uh, like these restaurants, uh, like sports venues, uh, like small boutiques. Uh, and uh, we want to make sure that uh, as we emerge from this pandemic, we're prepared not only to grow the economy, but also make sure that we maintain our culture and history and, and uh, that our entrepreneurs can continue to grow their businesses. We've all come together, and um, I know it's been a, a difficult time, to say the least, for so many Hoosiers and other Americans, but um, I just have confidence in uh, the people of Indiana and the American people. His bill has been introduced in the House, and it picked up 10 co-sponsors from both parties in the Senate. Meanwhile, school districts across the state are trying to figure out how to safely bring students back to the classroom, and some schools have decided it's too early to do so. This week, Washington Township in Indianapolis announced it will start the school year with online classes only, citing a rise in COVID-19 cases in the state. Warren Township paused its start date from July 29th to August 6th, and Lawrence Township will now start on August 3rd. Meanwhile, Carmel High School will take a hybrid approach, mixing in-person and virtual learning. This week, Indiana Superintendent of Public Instruction Dr. Jennifer McCormick acknowledged that many districts are struggling to figure out who should have that final say. She told reporters this. For decisions that are made about are we going to be on-site or remote or is it going to be a hybrid? What does that look like? For what period of time? That all is really a local decision with your local schools, but there's a ton of input from your health department. So we rely heavily on very strong, competent health departments at that local level. This is a medical issue. We are educators. We can do the education part, but we need a lot of help with the medical piece. Earlier this week, our partner station in Evansville sat down with Senator Mike Braun and discussed this very issue. 
When it comes to reopening schools, uh, elementary and post-secondary, I'm disappointed if we don't try to do it. Uh, I think parents generally uh, know their kids are educated best there. In cases where parents just don't feel safe having their kids in school, uh, they've had practice on what it takes to educate at home. But generally speaking, it's just like reopening businesses. Do a couple things at once, pay attention to the rules, don't hunker down to where you don't try to move forward. As school districts weigh major decisions right now, some educators have critiqued the Holcomb administration, even going as far as to ask for some more guidance when it comes to requiring masks in classrooms. R. Kelly Sullivan spoke to the governor about what he is considering for schools this fall. Well, Governor Eric Holcomb says he does not support a statewide mask mandate. He wants to leave that up to local governments, but he is still considering it in schools. Governor Eric Holcomb says he may support a requirement based on the age of the classroom. The Indiana State Teachers Association says it would like to see grades 6 through 12 wear masks. Kindergarten through fifth grade still need consideration since some of the day would be spent teaching them about the masks and getting used to them. Holcomb says this is going to be a very well thought out decision. There's a lot of different opinions on this front as well, uh, even in the uh, medical community. Uh, and so we're factoring in all those considerations, including uh, different age groups. Traditionally, schools get funds based on student enrollment. Some are now asking the governor to freeze last year's enrollment numbers so schools don't lose money if students drop out due to safety concerns. I asked him what it would take for him to do that. Well, I want to see what the numbers look like come fall when students are back, when parents are making the determination. So we'll, we'll know a lot more in a month and two months and three months how schools uh, are not just staffed, but how schools are populated. Governor Holcomb says there's no deadline for his decisions, but he says he will announce them so that schools have enough time to safely prepare. For In Focus, I'm Kayla Sullivan. Kayla, thank you. Well, we are also this week hearing from the head of the largest teachers union in Indiana about those safety concerns for students and staff. In Focus host Dan Spieler spoke with the ISTA president, Keith Gamble, about the growing political debate surrounding the start of the school year. You met with Governor Holcomb this week. What can you tell us about that conversation and what you're hoping for in terms of state policy for this coming school year? Well, thank you very much for having me and uh, allowing us some time to talk about these important issues. Uh, we did express to the governor the anxiety that um, our uh, school staff are feeling right now, as well as, as parents and families of students. And uh, a great deal of that anxiety uh, is wrapped around a lack of clear guidance both from the state and from uh, oftentimes our local school districts. Um, and uh, one, of, one of the items that we talked uh, with the governor about was the need for clear guidance from the state. Uh, because, you know, Indiana looks very different when you look at COVID-19. We have some areas where the outbreak is, is quite uh, large. And other places that you know have really, um, maybe because they're not quite so densely populated, haven't felt the effects in the same way. And so instead of a blanket decision for the state, if we can have guidance about what is right for uh, areas as they see what's happening with COVID, 
in order to give the, the best sense of, is it safe now for students to return in person? Is it safe for faculty to be in the buildings? So that was one of the items that we addressed with the governor. A second item, um, it is our position that in grades six through 12, masks should be mandated. They should be mandated for all adults and staff that are in the building. But we wanted to give some consideration to the kindergarten through fifth grade in knowing that part of the job during the day will be teaching those kiddos, especially that the, the kindergarten for second grade, especially just how to wear them and, and giving them a chance to get used to that. So we, we recognize that there should be some flexibility the governor saying this week he, he may even consider uh, the mask mandate for schools as they continue to evaluate the process. Washington Township Schools announced this week they would be going virtual only at the start of the school year. Will we be seeing more of that from other districts? And is that a move your organization would like to see more of? Um, well, we certainly support the decision of Washington Township. And when you look at Marion County and the donut, you know, that's one of the epicenters in the state. And so making sure that, that those facilities are safe. But, you know, in, in some of our urban areas, we have students who their only way to get to school is on a city bus. And is that the, the safest way for them to get uh, to school during a pandemic? And so uh, certainly if, um, if they cannot guarantee that safety, then, then moving to a virtual should be the way that, uh, that the school district goes. The White House called out teachers unions last week specifically and said the president will, quote, always stand up to teachers unions that want to keep schools closed, in their words. What's your response to that and also to calls from some lawmakers like Indiana's Jim Banks who are calling for schools to lose funding if they don't reopen? Well, first I would say that if a school is open for virtual, the school is open. I, and I wanna be very clear about that because we're talking about closing a building in order to save the lives of students and staff. So I, I'm not buying into the rhetoric of, of virtual means closed. You know, Indiana uh, has given money hand over fist and has lost money in, in schemes that were supposed to be virtual schools. So uh, this idea that the school isn't open when uh, they are providing virtual learning simply is not true. So I would assert that the, the school is open. Uh, it's just that the learning at this time has to take place differently. Keith Gamble with the Indiana State Teachers Association. Thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate Thank it. Thank you very much. Thank Happy you. to be here. Coming up next here this Sunday in Focus, our panelists tackling the issues facing our schools in our roundtable, plus a look ahead at November, how the Indiana races are shaping up, and an Indiana congressman finds out he once had the coronavirus. What Representative Trey Hollingsworth is doing now that he knows he has COVID antibodies. 
Time now to bring in our panel to talk about this week's top stories from Capitol Hill to the State House. The top talker has been, is it safe enough to send our kids to the classroom? And even educators are divided on this issue, but we've heard some say Governor Holcomb isn't stepping up. So joining me virtually this week is former Republican State Representative Mike Murphy. Mike, thanks for joining us here this Sunday morning. First Thank question you. for you here is what grade do you give the governor on his back to school plan? Is he fulfilling his duty to educate Hoosier kids safely? Oh, absolutely. In fact, not only do I give the governor an A, I think he's been a national model in how to handle these things. You've seen some states bouncing back and forth. Uh, the city of Atlanta, for example, had to go back to don't leave your house unless you have essential business. The governor and his nature is to be very steady and to be a problem solver. And what he's done is he's moved very slowly. He stopped when he's had to. He has not had to go back and reverse. And the school plan, as it develops, and I'm sure it will still be developing, uh, I think is, is wise, common sense, and he's giving a lot of local districts opportunities for, for local input because not every part of the state is, is uh, at the same point with the virus. So Mike's assessment there is an A, but we know throughout the week Democrats have certainly given a different grade for the plan by Governor Holcomb. We're also joined right now by former Indiana Democratic Party Chair Robin Winston. Robin, some state Democrats, as I said, you know, disproving here of Holcomb's game plan. A few House Democrats sent the governor a letter Thursday that he failed to meet their requests to not use enrollment numbers, tying that to state funding. So is freezing last year's enrollment dollars really the only viable option on the table? Well, first off, I don't think the schools should be penalized because of the COVID-19 impacts. But time and time again, our educators want to be in the classroom. And I agree with Keith Gamble, who was at the onset of the show, who said that when you do virtual learning, they are also the teachers who are on the job responsible for teaching those kids. Washington Township made a very, very bold decision on deciding to initially open up with uh, online and see how things go. We don't know where this is going, but all throughout all of our history, we've talked about education being a local issue decided by local school boards, and I think that that's best. It's, it's premature to threaten like Congressman Banks did to withhold federal funding. Let's see how this goes before we make draconian decisions. Let me get another Democrat here on this debate. So Jennifer Wagner is the former communications director for Indiana Democrats. Jennifer, if Indiana Republicans don't back this request that we've heard from Democrats, what is next for our classrooms? Well, I think I have to agree with, with Robin and, and with others that this is a very local issue. Um, and I think we have to do um, the yeoman's work of separating out the politics from the parenting. And I say that as someone who has two school-aged kids, and I have no idea whether they'll be going back in person or whether they're going back online. And I think that's a sentiment that is shared by a lot of parents. And as Robin points out, this is an ever-changing situation. We don't know what the classrooms are going to look like a few weeks from now when schools start reopening. And I don't think it's right to have a mandate from the top to say either they have to all go back or all be online. Let's let the locals make the decisions that are the right thing for their community. If you're in a hot spot, probably not a great idea to go back in person. But if you're able to kind of handle things and get kids back in the classroom in a responsible way, I think that's appropriate too. And what we've seen really throughout the week has been parents kind of on the fence, what you're talking about here, Jennifer, where some are saying local rule matters, others still wondering where this debate falls and who's your lawmakers. They're talking about it, but so is the White House. The Trump administration is making it pretty clear here, like Governor Holcomb, they want kids back in the classroom. But let's talk about this recent poll here. It's from Politico Morning Consult, finding that 50% of voters don't want youth back on college campuses, university campuses. 53% don't want kids back in classrooms. 65% 
don't support funding cuts if schools don't reopen this fall. So I want to hear now from the 2016 vice chair to the Indiana Trump campaign, Tony Samuel. We know parents have doubts. So, Tony, why should Hoosiers trust the White House plan? Well, most of the parents that I talk to, and, and we're parents, uh, my wife and I are, of a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old, and we want them back in school, and I think most parents do, and they, they realize that and from what we're hearing and what the science is telling us is that younger kids are less uh, vulnerable, less uh, at, at, at a point of getting the virus and uh, less likely to spread it. Older kids, when you get to the high school kids, um, they're, they're more likely. So, so that's where you might have more mask wearing or uh, more of a, a, an emphasis on distance learning. You've also got to tell your kids to be smart themselves. No making out for teenagers. They might have to wait for this <laughs> until their 20s. But, you know, everybody has to, has to pitch in and be smart here. But the number one priority should be getting kids back in school because that's where they're going to learn better. They're going to get better at Fortnite and, and more TikTok videos if they're staying home, but better at learning and healthier and, and, and doing better at their social skills, which is important at these ages. So we've got to all uh, uh, focus on getting them back in school. As far as the president, he's right on target. Uh, the, the emphasis and the importance needs to be on getting uh, kids in school so that, you know, not only for their education and the things I mentioned earlier, but that, that our economy continues to move forward so that kids or parents can work uh, and, and not have to take time off uh, when, when they've already lost a lot of jobs and, and we know what the employment situation is. We've got to also weigh the benefits of, of getting the economy back, uh, back at work. I know I'd love to hear the thoughts of all our other panelists on TikTok as well as kids growing up too fast. But let me switch gears a little bit here and talk about another top headline because we are talking about politics and we're three months away from Election Day. So two big political shakeups coming down. President Trump bringing in a new campaign manager. That says polls are slipping away from him. Wednesday's Quinnipiac poll has Joe Biden leading with 52 percent of the vote. Donald Trump with 37 last month. The numbers were Biden 49, Trump 41. So, Mike. Why are polls showing more Americans pivoting to the former VP? Well, I think it's been a very tough year, no matter who is president uh, in 2020. The, the, the virus, uh, and obviously, number one. Um, and because of that, the stock market crashed for a while. It's back up to where it was at the end of uh, 2019. But very tough time for anybody trying to be a leader. Now, I don't think polls mean anything right now, frankly. I think it's just something for us to talk about. But I will tell you the fact that, that Trump has replaced his campaign manager and, according to Washington reports, is wiring around his own son-in-law, Jared Kushner, and establishing his own networks, um, says that the president is uh, very worried about where he stands right now. Um, this is not unlike Nixon. People that have this kind of narcissistic personality, they, they begin to uh, become very self-focused um, very, frankly, paranoid, and they try to grasp and regain control of anything they can. I think that's what the president's going through right now. He sees danger. He thinks he's the only one that can solve it, and he's pushing other people aside to do that. 
Let me get the Democratic response on this one, too. Certainly we've heard some of that panic here about what this means to have Bill Stepien step in and change things for the Trump campaign. But for Jennifer and Robin, some analysts are seeing this number similar to what we just heard there from Mike, that it's not really something we should focus on. We still have 16 weeks here until Election Day. So if you're the Biden campaign right now, between everything going on, Jennifer, Robin, what do you expect him to do next? Oh, yeah. Thanks, Robin. Um, I mean, I think, look, anyone who works in politics will tell you the only poll that really matters is the one that gets taken on Election Day. However, cliche as that may sound, there's another truth out there, which is that you want your polling numbers to be going in the positive direction. You want your especially your trust and your reelect numbers to be going in a positive direction. And especially in those states that are really going to matter in this presidential race, Donald Trump's numbers are going in the wrong direction. As for what Joe Biden needs to do, Probably just sit still, stay calm, look presidential, and let Donald Trump implode. All right. Well, Robin, I'd love to hear from you and the rest of the panel, but we are running out of time. Always a vibrant discussion. Thank you so much to our panel this Sunday. Still much more ahead on this week's edition of In Focus reports of a state house confrontation between a black state senator and Capitol Police. The actions that prompt an Indiana state police to open up an investigation. That's next. Welcome back. Well, let's turn now to an investigation out of the State House. ISP says it is reviewing claims that a white Capitol Police officer reached for his gun while confronting a black state senator inside the State House. It happened last weekend during a rally sponsored by the Indiana Racial Justice Alliance. State Senator J.D. Ford says he and State Senator Eddie Melton were let inside the State House by private security with a few dozen people and that the private security called Capitol Police. Mr. Ford claims the officers were immediately aggressive. A witness says a white Capitol Police officer yelled at Mr. Melton, who is black, and said to freeze while reaching for his gun on its holster. That witness claims Senator Ford, who is white, tried to de-escalate the situation, but says the trooper was only focused on state Senator Melton. An ISP spokesperson tells the Associated Press they received a formal complaint about this situation. They are conducting an internal investigation. So far, we're not aware of any video or pictures of that confrontation. Indiana Congressman Trey Hollingsworth tested positive for coronavirus antibodies. The news comes months after he gained national criticism for his comments about reopening our economy during this pandemic. We told you back in April when Representative Hollingsworth told WIBC Radio that choosing to send Americans back to work was the lesser of two evils when compared to more Americans dying from the virus. The congressman now says he's tested positive for the antibodies and chose to donate his plasma so others can recover. He believes he had a mild case of COVID-19 back in March, but he was never tested. Thanks for joining us this week. Much more coverage ahead later this week of politics at the Statehouse and the Capitol. We hope you'll join us next Sunday in Focus.